Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. elders in heaven right now? That's what I'm preaching on today. And no, he didn't know. He didn't know. I told you elders. I said elders. So, on April the 8th, I was in Branson with Charlie and Rusty Melendez. Charlie was preaching on opening night, and in the middle of his message, like God often does, I hear from God. And he says to me, get prepared to preach a message about the elders in the church, the kingdom, and heaven. And I knew that would be the next time I preached. Well, that next time I preached has been bumped, like, three times. How many of you have heard Charlie say this? We are an elder-governed, apostolically-led kingdom fellowship. Some of you have heard him say that, right? Like his new catchphrase. Well, today, we're going to talk about the elder-governed part of that. But what was not as remarkable as that last song was the one you picked in the middle about kingdom. message a little bit, like three or four weeks, and I, I had a, I was trying to make a connection between like the church elder and the kingdom elder, and how does that, what does that mean, is it even biblical, you know, you don't see the term kingdom elder anywhere, I said something to Gary, Gary says, well, you better make sure it's biblical, so a couple weeks ago, I was praying and working on this. And the Lord just brings the Lord's prayer to my mind. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that was like the key that turned on the light switch for me. I already knew about all the elder scriptures in the book of Revelation. I'd already studied them, but how do I grab those and pull those and bring those down to earth? How do I, it's a question I've had before. How do I apostolically go to heaven and bring something back? I think Ron knows how to do that. Karen probably knows how to do that. Rodney doesn't really know how to do that. What's the matter? What do you want? We let the praise team sit down? Is that what your mouth is There is there anybody to release the children too? That's what I thought. only one she's pretty good all right you guys can sit down that was awesome that was awesome guys yeah he is if that red drum would have been out here i would have been up here today i almost went back there and got it but who knows how buried it is so 
I'm like really excited right now. I'm sorry. Um, oh, and something else. So Karen had a word this morning about anguish and all of the stuff that's going on right now. Kathy has a word this morning that only I think Charlie and I know about and God. And it talks about, here's the, here's the, the guts of it. Here's the boiled down part of it. We need to begin to celebrate a harvest that we haven't seen yet. It's longer than that, but that is the rue of that word. So then I come this morning and, you know, I got pants on, so I must be preaching, right? Turn the camera down, show them that I got pants on, would you please? And then I go to my closet and I pick out a pair of shoes that I thought would look nice with my outfit. They're uncomfortable. Sometimes God wants you to wear uncomfortable shoes. Think about that. Anybody been wearing any uncomfortable shoes lately? Anybody got any on right now? I do. I could be barefoot and my shoes would be uncomfortable right now. Ron's word. So, I think God's in the middle of all this. I just got a suspicion. So we're going to start out real quickly with two scriptures that tell us what an elder is, although I think you already know, but we've got to have a biblical foundation. So we're going to go 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to use the Passion Translation for everything today because some of us love it and some of you don't. So... If any of you aspires to be an overseer in the church, you have set your heart toward a noble ambition, for the word is true. Yet an elder needs to be one who is without blame before others. He should be one whose heart is for his wife alone and not another woman. He should be recognized as one who is sensible and well-behaved and living a disciplined life. He should be a spiritual shepherd who has the gift of teaching and is known for his hospitality. He cannot be a drunkard or someone who lashes out at others or argumentative or someone who simply craves more money, but instead recognized by his gentleness. His heart should be set on guiding his household with wisdom and dignity, bringing up his children to worship with devotion and purity, for if he's unable to properly lead his own household well, How could he properly lead God's household? He should not be a new disciple who would be vulnerable to living in the clouds of conceit, fallen to pride, making him easy prey for Satan. He should be respected by those who are unbelievers, having a beautiful testimony among them so that he will not fall into the traps of Satan and be disgraced. I am some of those things some of of the time, I will be honest and say I'm not all of those things all of the time. We have eight elders in this church, if you count Charlie and Susie as elders, and we do. So I think on any given day, all of those things are probably being fulfilled. An elder is not something, somebody asked me this week, how do you get to be an elder? And I said, well, the pastor picked you. In a way, God picks you, not the pastor. I believe that if you are called to the position of elder, 
you most likely were doing it long before you were called. God saw it. Man doesn't see as fast as God does. And when man's ready, man will put you in the position God has for you. I can tell you that elder teams are not always well-oiled machines, but they become that way when they do things together and when they go through trials and tribulations and when they're tested. So to any of my pastor friends who watch this message online, don't wait until you have the perfect elder team in place to anoint them and, and put them in place. It'll never happen. Build the team you think you can trust and run with it, and God will shape it. God will bring it together. But if you don't step out in faith as a pastor and create the elder team around you, God will let it not be created. There, I'm done spanking my pastor friends. So now we're going to read another scripture. We're going to do 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, again in the Passion Translation. So, oh, little print. There we go. Now I encourage you as an elder, an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ, and this is Peter speaking, and one who shares in the glory that is about to be unveiled. I urge my fellow elders among you to be compassionate shepherds who tenderly care for God's flock and who feed them well, for you have the responsibility to guide, protect, and oversee. Consider it a joyous pleasure and not merely a religious duty. Lead from the heart under God's leadership, not as a way to gain finances dishonestly, there ain't none of that happening here, but as a way to eagerly and cheerfully serve. Don't be controlling tyrants, but lead others by your beautiful examples to the flock. And when the shepherd king appears, you will be win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. Hang on to that verse. When the shepherd king appears, Jesus, you will win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. Michael sang about a crown this morning. Worship is our warfare. You're going to see in a few minutes that the elder's biggest tool is his influence in worship. If we govern from a place of worship, God will move mountains to do what he wants done. We are not the worship leaders. We're, we're, we're the worship influencers. We're the worship magnifiers. The four creatures in the book of Revelation, in the throne room scene, are the worship leaders. They are the ones that perpetually begin worship. Then the elders jump in. Then whoever's in the room follows. So as elders... I'm spanking us right now. If we're ever not engaged, then it isn't your fault that we don't enter in. There's an order. God has an order. He is a God of order. So I got a note here I want to read you if I can find it here. First Peter 5, 1. So Peter had already identified himself as an apostle. But now he takes a humble position equal to that of a local church elder. 
Peter's identification with the church elders becomes a powerful example of true spiritual leadership. I don't know if to blow smoke up Charlie's dress. He doesn't wear one. But Charlie's doing that. As an apostle, he's walking as an elder. When we meet, when we make decisions, we, we work as equals. Yeah, sometimes he pulls the apostle card, but he's supposed to. Sometimes we're in the role of advisor. Sometimes we're in the roles of deciders, always guided by the Holy Spirit. I have no idea why I have eight pages of notes. I haven't looked at them yet. Um, Revelation 4.4 4 is my next one. So here we go, Michael. You were right on, right on it. So Revelation 4.4 4 is a shorty. Encircling the great throne were 24 thrones with elders. So there was 24 elders, like Michael sang about. In glistening white garments seated upon them, each wearing a golden crown of victory. There's that crown again. That crown becomes integral, I believe. I think there's more to that crown than I even realized as I closed this little notebook yesterday and said my message was ready. I've already had a revelation of it today that I don't think I can talk about yet. But 24 thrones, 24 elders, each with a golden crown, the crown of victory. They were overcomers. In 1 Peter 1, 3-5, substitute elders and the victors. They're, they're, they're equal. These elders have been said to represent many things. You want to go study the eschatology of that sentence? You could, there's a book written on it. 24 elders can represent the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. 24 elders represent the entire church of Christ. You know, there, there's, we don't have to argue over it. They represent the church of Christ. Whether, and it does include both of those. We were grafted in. We're representations of the people of the whole church of God. Scholars are divided over who these 24 elders are. Either the union of Jew, 12 tribes of Israel, as I said, in the church, 12 apostles of Jesus, a rank of heavenly beings serving as God's cabinet offers. I can tell you I could refute that in about... Three paragraphs. They're people. Those elders, if you read the conversations that John had with them, you read the way they talked to John, you read the way they carried themselves, they are not created beings. They are men and women who are in heaven. Who they are and how they got there, well, we could debate that. But they're, they're people. A symbol of the 24 prophetic books of the Old Testament. Well, that sounds Jewish. An actual council of elders, believers, who are subordinate to God, but ruling with authority and wisdom. That's what he wants to replicate on earth. They are enthroned and have crowns, which would speak of regal authority, kingdom authority, kingdom reigning authority. Made up from the overcomers from among the community of the redeemed. 24 elders are robed in Christ's righteousness. 
white garments enthroned with him and crowned with glory. Remember, this chapter comes after three chapters where two of those describe what an overcomer is in pretty great detail. If you're not sure what an overcomer is and what an overcomer gets, go read Revelations chapter 2 and 3 and only focus on, don't focus on all the imagery. Focus on the, what is an overcomer. So let's talk about these elders a little bit. They're sitting, circling the great throne with 24 elders with elders in glistening white garments, seated upon them. Sitting represents their honor, their rest, and their satisfaction. They circled the throne of God, yet they were at peace, they were at rest, and they were comfortable. Bless you. It also signifies their relationship to God, their nearness to him. They're clothed in white, the righteousness of the, of the saints. Their crowns of gold, honor and authority, kingdom reign, kingdom government. Charlie has said it before many times. They're the only office of the Bible that's in heaven. There's no, now I did see in some, some versions the word priestly or priest, but it's usually used more in reference to garments than the person. And the word elder has so many meanings that pastor is one of them. But the words apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and uh, what's the other guy? Pastor, prophet. Apostle, teacher, evangelist. So five. The fivefold ministry is not in heaven. Fivefold ministry is in the church. The elder is in both places. I said it before, they're not leading worship. The four creatures do that. But they are joining in and magnifying it and multiplying its worship to the masses. All directed towards God on his throne who is immediately in front of them. They fall down before him and cast their crowns before him. If you ever think about the name of that band again, you better remember this scripture. Casting crowns. Laying down their... So what are they doing? They're laying their crown down. Who does that? They're laying their crown down before the one who gave it to them. They're giving up their honor and authority to the one who gave it to them. His crown is infinitely more glorious than theirs. Revelation 5, I'm going to read a lot of this. Five, start in verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, I love these things. So, John's there, just John writing. Hey, John, come here. One of the elders, angel ain't going to do that, people. Then one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Buck up, buddy. Look, the mighty lion of Judah's tribe, the root of David, he has conquered. He is the worthy one 
who can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now John's talking again. Then I saw a young lamb standing in the middle of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. He appeared to have been slaughtered, but was now alive. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to the ends of the earth. We could talk about that sentence for a a month. I saw the young lamb approach the throne and take the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat there, the Father, God the Father. And then the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb and taken the scroll. They fell face down at the feet of the lamb and worshiped him. So now they're not worshiping the Father, they're worshiping the lamb. Each of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet, fragrant incense, which are the prayers of God's holy lovers or the saints. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. We sang some new songs today in here. By the way, our worship was led by an elder. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people, group, and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests, so there's priests in in this version, who reign on the earth. So that kingdom of priests isn't in heaven. That kingdom of priests is reigning on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voices of myriads of angels in circles around the throne. So here worship has been magnified. As well as the voices of the living creatures and the elders, myriads and myriads, in some versions it says 10,000s and 10,000s. And as I watched, all of them were singing with the thunderous voices, worthy is Christ the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive great power, might, wealth and wisdom and honor and glory and praise. Then every living being joined the angelic choir, every creature in heaven and on earth. See the building, the magnification of worship under the earth, in the sea, and everything in them were worshiping with one voice, saying praise, honor, glory and dominion be to God enthroned and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures responded, Amen. And the 24 elders threw themselves face down to the ground and worshiped, and it began again. And we could go back to Revelation 4, 8, and it just starts over. So, heavenly elders speak up. Go back to 5, 5 if you can. Heavenly elders speak up. Then one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Suck it up, buddy. Look, you're going to miss it if you don't stop weeping. Look. They also bring comfort to apostles and pastors. Who was he talking to? He's talking to John, the most loved. John. Stop weeping. You're going to miss him. How many times has John wanted to see Jesus in the last whatever many years it was between this time and the last time he saw him? Down below, and then you don't have to go to it, but down below it talks about the prayers of the the saints, the incense. Elders hold dear the prayers of the saints. They covet them. Elders in heaven, perpetual worship. So I I try to look at 
you know, you, I don't want to, I'm not, please, I'm not trying to sound like we're all that in a bag of chips. But you look at yourself and you say, am I doing any of these things? Am I getting it? Is Gary getting it? Is Michael, is Lisa, is my wife? Is Yeah, we are. One of the things that I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of an intercessor. I'm almost like, I got, I'm a wannabe intercessor. I want to be in on it, but I don't want to do all the work. I'm, I'm being honest. But I'm also a traffic cop. If I know somebody needs to be prayed for, I know who to ask. And I go right to them. That's being an elder. That's government. That's government. Now also, I'm on my knees too sometimes, a lot of times. But what's more important, bringing the need to the people that have the tools? They're both important. It's important to have the intercessors, but the intercessors have to know what to pray for. And the elders need to be there to go sometimes and be at the hospital like my wife is right now and be with the sick like we've all done. And it's not just an elder's job, and I know there's plenty of you in this room that do it and have done it and will continue to do it. And that's a good thing. So, you know, I'm digging through notes, doing this. You know, I'm a note guy. I've got notes from parts of this message are from like 05, 06. And um, I pull off this page, and it's a, uh, Last night as I finished my notes, this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. I don't have a date for this, but it had to be in like 2006. In these two chapters of Revelation, we see how throne room worship expands outward. At the start of worship, it appears that God and the Holy Spirit are present. Jesus' lamb is not there yet. Jesus is actually there. He's an observer. If you pay attention to the end of chapter 3, Jesus is with John, and he says, there is a door open Let's go up in there. I think that's roughly it. I may be off a little bit. So Jesus is there, but Jesus is not the focal point of what's going on. God the Father is. Then as we all worship, as they begin to worship, the 24 elders follow immediately. They represent the leadership of the church and the faithful core, those who always enter in no matter what. The four living creatures that are closest to the throne, they represent the worship team. And when I did this teaching, I got a, I understood, like I went into the creatures and what, what kind of worshiper they were. I've got that. That's not part of this message. But, and now the prayers of the saints. This is why it is important to pray during worship. It is essential to expand the circle of our worship. Look what happens next. We are joined by 10,000 times 10,000 angels. I let the angelic host proclaim. Then finally in victory, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea join us, worshiping the Almighty God, the three in one. Then it ends right where it started with four living creatures saying amen. I think about that song that King and Country has right now with the amen in it. And those two guys running across. If you've seen the video that goes with that, the two guys running across this like plain, like a desert plain. And the music is just, ah, man. And it's, it's a powerful song. And I think sometimes we forget the power in that word. Amen. So be it. Amen and hallelujah 
are two words that I don't think there's any translation in any language in the world. Karen, you've traveled. Does everybody ever say amen and different than amen? I haven't heard it. Hallelujah is hallelujah. I can tell you glory of God said differently different places. You can get into other terms and they have translations. People don't bother to translate hallelujah and they don't bother, I don't think they bother to translate amen, at least as far as I've experienced. So let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verses 11 through about 15. So one day, all the angels were gathered, so standing in a circle. So it's like 25,000 angels went into a bar and in walked an elder. That's kind of what this scripture is about. It's a joke, come on. All the angels were standing in a circle around the throne with the elders and the four living creatures. So they're just hanging out. It's like before church starts, right? And they all, but they all fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom. And go to the next page because it's a sentence. And thanksgiving, honor, power, and might belonging to our God forever and ever. Amen. So then verse 13 is important because this verse is about Gary. I'm so glad you're here today and not at work. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these in glistening white robes and where have they come from? Why are you dressed like that and where are you going? Where have you been? I answered, so this is John. My Lord, you must know. Then he, so that's the elder, said to me, they are ones who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb and have emerged from the midst of the great pressure and ordeal. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, ministering to him as priests day and night within his cloud-filled sanctuary and the enthroned one spreads over them his tabernacle shelter. So Gary's sitting over there going, well, what am I got to do with that verse? Sometimes elders have to ask the question that they already know the answer to just so the answer gets exposed. You do that a lot. Sometimes the elder has to ask the question so the answer gets exposed. So what about this verse um, 14, the robes? The implication is, is that their robes were defiled and needed to be washed. The world and the religious system must be removed from our robes. So now we're going to start talking a little bit about Ron's word. For the great or major oppression, persecution, tribulation, each of the white-robed saints had to pass through tribulation. This phase, phrase, great tribulation, occurs twice in the book of Revelation and refers only to believers, never to the world. It is to the true followers of the Lamb who pass through this tribulation. This comes from the Latin word tribulum, a hollowed-out rock that was used to separate wheat or other grains from the chaff. 
we must pass through tribulum, tribulation to enter into the kingdom of God. And now it wants us to go to Acts 14.22. We'll do that in a second. So we, so I think um, there's some qualifications to enter into the kingdom. I think in Matthew 6.33 it says we must believe in Christ to enter the kingdom, to see the kingdom. So here we must pass through tribulation to enter into the kingdom. So let's jump over to Acts 14.22. At each place they went. So this is Paul and Barnabas on one of their mission trips, just to set the stage, okay? At each place they went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go deeper in their faith, and they taught them, it is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecution. The note here says, the Aramaic is they confirmed the spirit of their spirit of discipleship. That is the only way to avoid the oppression of the age is to enter deeper into God's kingdom realm. An alternate translation would be through great tribulation we enter into God's kingdom realm. Neither translation of this sentence implies a future kingdom, but a kingdom realm that is presently accessible. God's about to drag the church of America through a knothole. Your word is not for America. That word is for the church only. Doesn't mean the world won't be impacted by it. But God's about to drag the church through a knothole. The elder is acting in back to Revelation now in that chapter 7. The elder is acting as an interpreter of the vision that was seen there of the glorified church. Because what will we be when we come out the other end? We'll be more bride-like. We'll be more Christ-like. We'll be glorified. Not because of what we did. The kingdom elder interprets visions that depict the glorified church. There are three more elder scriptures in the book of Revelation. We're not going to read them. Revelation 11, 16, 14, 3, and 19.4. They all reinforce the worship aspect of the elder. I don't think they reveal any more than, than has already been revealed in the other scriptures, but they reinforce the worship aspect of the elder in heaven. So I had to ask myself, how do we become, what's the link between kingdom elders to become that elder that's in heaven in Revelation and do that on earth here? And as I said earlier, the Lord showed me, I mean, it's not like it's rocket science now that you see it, but it was rocket science at the moment. The Lord's Prayer. So put Matthew 6.10 up there, because it reads a little different in the Passion Translation. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. 
at el as elders, we have to be like our counterparts in heaven to be a kingdom elder. I think you can just be a church elder and maybe not get all that. I'm not trying to distinguish a hierarchy here, but if we're going to be kingdom people, we have to act in a kingdom way. Worship with authority. So what, what are the attributes? So boil it all down. What are the attributes of a kingdom elder? They worship with authority and submission because they cast their crown. They're clothed in righteousness. Kingdom elders speak with reassurance and bring comfort to pastors and apostles. Kingdom elders hold dear the prayers of the saints. Kingdom elders ask questions so they can expose the answers. Kingdom elders shepherd the flock and disciple them through the tribulation. Your word. Kingdom elders interpret the visions that depict the, depict the glorified church. Those aren't in 1 Timothy or 2 Peter. Those aren't in the other books of the, Old, the New Testament. Those are not the attributes of an Old Testament elder either. And they are not the attributes of an elder at the gate. Those are all different forms of the same office. I kind of reflecting back over the last six months, I've kind of been pulled through a couple of my own knot holes. And um, I don't know, my revelation was if you're a kingdom elder, you're an elder wherever you go. You're not just an elder here in the house. I was asked to be called on to be an elder when I was in Mexico. I was called on to be an elder when I was in Branson. I'm called on an elder to be an elder in my workplace, in the marketplace, if I will allow it. If I only want to sit in my little safe Sunday church elder seat, then I will only be a church elder. But if I'll embrace it and walk in it, I'll walk in the kingdom. Doesn't mean I'll get it all right but I'll figure it out and my feet will be uncomfortable sometimes. My shoes won't always feel good. Your shoes won't always feel good. However, what happens if we walk in uncomfortable shoes long enough? One of three things happens. You either get a blister, you break them in, or you throw them away and get a new pair of shoes. I hope that we could break them in. So this is two Sundays in a row that we got done before noon. That's pretty cool. Setting a trend here. Sorry, right, Charlie will be back next Sunday. He has a month and a half of messages stored up inside of him. Bring a sandwich. Bring a sandwich. Uh, he'll probably peach two hours. I'm just kind of in awe of what God did today makes me feel good yeah um, our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day 
our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go and sin no more. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.